just a boy from Kansas out to save the world from chronic diseases. And I truly mean that. Nobody is in control of your health but you. I can't heal you. Your doctor can't heal you. You have to heal you. And it's all about having the education empowerment to know what you need to be changing within yourself, within your life, to set your soul free and accomplish that best life that we all like to talk about. And I truly believe that the greatest medicine of all is to teach people how not to need it. I'm Brendan Vermeyer, the original Holistic Savage. Welcome to the Holistic Savage Podcast. Ben Azadi, welcome to the Holistic Savage Podcast, where we like to talk about all things functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, and functional psychology, just holistic health in general. You know, I think it really requires all the above to help people reach optimal health. And uh, super excited to have you on the show. I consider you kind of a, a brother across the uh, nation and universe here, and certainly you're doing amazing things. I see you out there, uh, and I love what you say about putting a dent in disease you know, and you're educating the masses on on keto is your your big thing. And certainly today, um, the ketogenic diet has become massive. And so uh, I'm excited to dive into keto and talking about that, because something I really respect about you is, you know, as we all know, you know, functional medicine or holistic health or diet or all these things, highly individualized, you know, there is no one size fits all. And so certainly, we're always going to have, you know, sensationalized bandwagons of diet. Like we always have, we always will, you know, whether it's the, the Atkins craze or the paleo craze or the now keto is the big thing. Um, and so obviously anytime something gets sensationalized, you know, there's going to be good practices, bad practices and everything in between. And so that's where I love what I see with you because you're teaching people how to do keto right and do it intelligently and understand all the multifactorial science. So anyways, first and foremost, thanks for joining me. And secondly, I'd love to hear uh, a little bit about why you're so passionate about keto and we'll dive in, have some fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be here. I love what you're doing and you are a brother of mine, a mentor, uh, a great friend, a brother, and uh, we're on this mission that's much more than just us here on planet Earth in the universe to educate the world, which let's face it, there's a lot of people hurting, a lot of people sick, and a lot of bad information out there. So the work that you do, the work that I do, it's so important. And I love that we're on this conversation together because now we can get it out to both of our communities. Mm -hmm. And by the way, you crushed it on my podcast. So go listen to that. It's actually coming out this Monday. So by the time they listen to this episode, it'll be out Keto Camp Podcast with Brendan, the holistic savage himself. Uh, So why am I so passionate about uh, keto or health in general? But keto Mm -hmm. is one of the tools in in the toolbox. Well, most of my life, Brendan... As, as you know, I, I was uh, actually obese for a large portion of my life. I was overweight, obese, 80 pounds heavier than I am today. Up until the age of 24, uh, that's what my life was like. So I tell people I was physically obese and I was mentally obese, mm. which was just as bad as being physically obese, probably worse. Uh, and I was just tiptoeing my way through life, hoping to make it safely to death's door. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was... Awake in the definition of my heart was beating, but I was not alive. I was not living a life of purpose. I was not focusing on my health. My priorities were shot. And I was addicted to video games, addicted to drugs, addicted to bad relationships. Uh, And my life was just spiraling out of control. 
that was in my teenage years, and that led all the way up until my early adulthood. Uh, and I followed a standard American diet. My mom worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken as mm. a as a manager or assistant manager, and she brought me Kentucky Fried Chicken every day. Mm-hmm. So I, she was doing the best that she can. Immigrated mm. from Iran, and it manifested in in the way I felt, my thoughts, my physical appearance. Uh, and when I reached 24 years old, that's when I hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. My ex girlfriend broke up with me. We were together for about four years, and she left the relationship, rightfully so. Was going nowhere. Uh, and I was working at a packing and shipping store, which is so funny because I'm in this area in Miami, uh, Bay Harbor Islands, Florida, Miami Beach area. And I worked at a packing and shipping store literally down the street from where I'm living right now. Uh, so I was a manager there, but it was a dead end job, not inspiring. I would just want to finish from nine to five, go home and play video games all night. And I was 250 pounds, 24 years old, and I was just lost in life. So. I was depressed at this point in my life. Girlfriend broke up with me, had no purpose, never focused on my health, and I wanted to end my life. I Mm. I was actually tired of suffering. Uh, Every time I was in a room by myself, I would have really bad thoughts ending my life. I I was just so tired of hurting and crying every day. So I had to kind of surround myself with friends so they could distract me from those, those, those thoughts. Uh, and I actually did go on the internet and look for ways to kill myself. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was in such a, such a bad place that I was looking for ways to kill myself. But I thought about my mother every time I did that. And I, I didn't want to do that to my mother. So it mm-hmm. stopped me. So I was so lost, depressed, sad, and confused with what I wanted to do in life. 24 years old. And then enter what you see behind me here, books. Uh, I started to read books from authors like Wayne Dyer and Bob Proctor and just amazing authors. And it really opened up a whole new world to me. And I finally, for the first time in my life, Brendan, took responsibility for the results I got in my life. First time I took ownership over my life. Fast forward nine months from that moment, I went from 250 pounds to 170 pounds. I went from 34% body fat to 6% body fat. Uh, size 38, waist size 30, and more importantly than achieving a physical six-pack for the first time in my life, I carved out a mental six-pack, and I think that's mm. more important than a physical six-pack any time of the day, and that's what started me off on my journey. That was back in 2009, and it really just opened up a whole new world to me, and fast forward to today, it's uh, doing a lot of work in the health space. Dude. Thank you so much for sharing. It's uh, You said a lot of really remarkable things right there, and what a hell of a way to start what's going to be an awesome convo, because you know certainly um, I'm excited to discuss keto with the keto man himself, um, but I love how we're starting it with really more talking about kind of functional psychology and functional spirituality and um, you know talking about that rock bottom, talking about that ownership, right? Because Uh, Certainly a lot of people that do start doing some kind of diet. All right. Well, why are they doing that? Obviously, they're they're thinking that this this diet or this exercise regimen or or this supplement or whatever it is, you know, they're looking externally to remedy an internal void and internal trauma and, uh, you know, kind of sense of inadequacy or whatever it is. And so certainly it's like, okay, well, before we start talking about the technicalities of who's keto, what, you know, who should or should not do keto or how they should do it, it's like, 
but what's the why, you know, and, and what's the uh, experience there. And, you know, so many things you said, like, I didn't know some of that about you. And it's very, uh, very similar to, you know, a lot of my path where, hey, you know, I started my career uh, scrubbing toilets and folding towels at the gym that I just got home from, you know, um, or I had a self-induced uh, near-death experience from horrible depression and and all of that. And so then here we are now, like you doing what you're doing, me doing what what I'm doing. And uh, it really comes down to that. Yeah, I love what you said about the mental six pack, right? You know, certainly our, our world and society. Yeah, you know, there is a lot of um, obsession around aesthetics and all of that. We all know that. But what I love about what's going on now, there is a lot more um, kind of a, an awakening going on, it seems, through the internet where you see a lot more talk about unconditional self-love and you see a lot more about the mental game because it's like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter as much about what you do so much as, as how you do it and why you're doing it. So um, pretty remarkable. And so certainly, you know, I, I'd love to hear, you know, what... Um, you know, what were some of the things that helped you take that self-ownership and, and do that introspection? Uh, and then obviously we'll get into like, okay, so then why keto and how keto worked for you? Yeah, great question. Great, great topic of discussion because you're right. I could talk about what to eat on keto, what not to eat on keto, how to practice fasting, all the nuts and bolts. But if you don't have the right mindset and the right uh, inner size, mm -hmm. then you won't get everything that you want from keto and fasting. Uh, so for, it's weird because what motivated me at the time uh, was was uh, getting my girlfriend to see what she missed out on, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's not lasting and it wasn't lasting, but that was my initial motivation. I'll show her. I'm going to get a six pack. I'll show her what she's missing out on. And I, I think motivation is great. I think it should be a daily dose every single day, but motivation doesn't last. And you have to figure out your why, which is what you said. Why do you want to get a six pack? Why do you want to have be healthier? Where is it showing up right now in your life? So asking those questions and peeling back the layers, that's more important than short-term motivation. Uh, I like inspiration more than motivation, and there's a difference mm -hmm. there. So the first few months was all motivation. I just wanted to get back at my ex-girlfriend, wanted to get a six pack for the first time in my life. I was always that kid who was bullied and picked on growing up, the fat kid who never had a girlfriend. Uh, so I had very low confidence and my motivation was to get a six pack and get confidence. Like that was my mindset back then. And I realized that through my journey, it's much more important for me to actually be healthy and have vitality in my relationships with my thoughts. And then I could share that and share what I did with my community, with my friends and, and make an impact with them. But I didn't really get it, Brendan, until I saw my father get sick. Uh, so this is after my transformation. I was, and I didn't do it the right way. Like when I went, when I went through my weight loss transformation, yeah, I got lean, but I wouldn't say I was that healthy. I, mm -hmm. I, I followed uh, whatever I, le I learned in Men's Health Magazine, right? <laughs> that was my my advice: uh, portion control every two to three hours. So I had leaky gut, I had acne, I had a lot of inflammation, but I was lean. Uh, so there's a distinction there. Health is not always. There's a lot of fit, sick people out there, and I was one of them. Yeah. And I know you see it a lot too. So it wasn't until I saw my father get really sick after my transformation. He had type 2 diabetes, mm. uh, which we know is a lifestyle disease that uh, 
treated with medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had it for most of my life. So I, I remember taking my father to his appointments, his doctor's appointments, before I really understood the, understood the disease. I would take him to his appointments. They would prescribe his medication, his insulin, and then tell me what to get for him at the grocery store. So then after that, we would go, and every single week, I'd take him to the grocery store, and I would buy him what they recommended, which was like fiber one bars, uh, Gatorade, zero Gatorade, whatever it was called, the sugar-free Gatorade. Um, sometimes they would say, have some Krispy Kreme donuts in hand in case his insulin get, glucose gets mm-hmm. too low. Uh, and I followed that approach because I didn't really understand the disease. And I watched my father's health get worse and worse and worse over the years. His, he got bigger and fatter. And then I asked the doctor once, you're, ask, you're saying that if my dad lost weight, it would help with his type 2 diabetes, correct? And they said, yes. And then I asked, but you're prescribing him insulin. Doesn't that cause him to gain weight? And they said, that's just the way it, it works. That's just the way it goes. It's, it's how it's treated. And I, and I accept that. And this is a lesson here because I didn't really question that or challenge that notion from the doctor. And my dad ended up getting um, diabetic neuropathy really bad to the point where he could barely walk. The nerves in his feet were just so damaged. And he called me one day and he said he couldn't even walk to the bathroom. He, he couldn't even get up without holding onto the wall. So me and my mother drove him to the hospital, drove him to the ER. And he was so worried in that uh, emergency room about getting his feet amputated because we know that's the next step. If you don't do something about it, they want to chop off that foot so it doesn't go gangrene and get infected. Mm-hmm. He, knew, he knew about that. And he was so stressed out in the hospital, in the emergency room, that he suffered a massive stroke in the hospital. And they didn't even catch it. I walked in the next day and I said, hey, something's up with my dad. He's not speaking anymore. And they ran tests and said, your, your father suffered a massive stroke and he lost the ability to speak. He lost the entire right side of his body to function. He couldn't move. And he essentially got transferred to a hospice for nine months. I watched my father every single week, his body shrink before my eyes, Mm. nine months. And I went to go visit him on uh, August 12th, 2014. It was a Monday night and he was in the worst shape that I had ever seen him, Brendan. He was throwing up on himself. He was just so hopeless, uh, convulsing. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And I walked up to him after they cleaned them up and he looked a lot better. And I said that I loved him. I told him that he was my father. I'm always going to be his son. And I said, hasta la vista, baby, which he always said to me growing up from the movie Terminator. He always said that when he said goodbye, hasta la vista, baby. And I kissed him on the forehead. And I went home that night and I prayed like I prayed every single night. And I said the same prayer that I said every single night for months, which was to please end my father's suffering. He suffered enough. Please end my father's suffering. He suffered enough. But there was something different about this this time, this prayer that night, that there was, I felt like I was being heard. Uh, and I can't explain it or put it into words, but I felt like I was being listened to. And I went to bed that night. The next day, literally less than 24 hours, around 12 p.m., I got a phone call on my cell phone. And I look at the phone and it's the hospital. And my heart just sunk in my chest. I just knew something was up. And I pick up the phone and it's the nurse letting me know that my father passed away that morning. And with that, I sat down on my couch. My dog was staring right at me. He knew something was up and I was just crying, just crying. And a part of me was so happy that my father's no longer suffering. He's actually not in pain anymore. 
And then the other part of me was so just destroyed by the fact that my one and only father is no longer with me. And that's where my life changed in 2014, because I wanted to know what happened to my dad. And I started to study the stats on diabetes and I started and I came across disgusting stats. I mean, 60% of Americans are diabetic or pre-diabetic. You know, there's people who are getting their feet amputated, kidney disease. And the number one cause of kidney dysfunction is diabetes. And I realized that nobody dies from diabetes, first of all. They die from the degeneration of it, the diseases that are associated with, with it, like my father, the strokes, the amputations, the kidney disease, the cancer. And I came to the realization that the information I now share is the same information that would have saved his life, my father's life. And I also came to the realization that I was given that mountain so I could show the world that the mountain can be moved. Mm-hmm. And that's my purpose. That's my why. And that's much more long lasting than a six pack ab or something like that. And that's why I'm on a mission, dude, just like you to put a dent in disease. Holy shit. That got me emotional. Oh my God. That was a, a beautiful an extremely like sad, but also hopeful and inspirational. Uh, I mean, there's really, there's, there's no words for that, but the, the beautiful thing is obviously, you know, going through that, that trauma, that difficulty um, and turning it into a purpose, a mission. Uh, and certainly that's definitely something I've recognized is, it seems that the people that really make something of their lives are the ones that have really gone through those hard situations and they chose to rise to the occasion. And it is one of those, we all go through these very traumatic, very challenging periods. You know, life is very um, kind of indiscriminate with hardship, you know? And so it's a matter of, do you let it break you or, or do you make something of it? And uh, certainly to be able to take that and turn that into your purpose and your, your gift to the world. And, you know, the reality too, we all have to have jobs. We all have to make money. We all have to, you know, we we don't, we're not in survival primal times and getting eaten by lions, but a lot of the same principles still applies of like, we still got to hustle. You still got to make money. You got to put food on the table and a roof over your head, but it's a matter of, you know, are you just working a job or are you living your purpose? And that's something beautiful, which is why I'm so big on the functional psychology and spirituality where, I mean, the beautiful thing about science and research, it ends up validating what we intuitively know. And so there is research to demonstrate that having a sense of purpose increases longevity or, you know, loneliness is its own uh, predictive marker of all cause mortality. Um, so I think it's an amazing, amazingly beautiful purpose that you are now living, you know, to, and it, it makes perfect sense. And with type two diabetes and insulin resistance, yeah, it, I kind of live my own world in my own bubble, but you know, when I do get out and I go into society and I'm out and about on the streets, um, it's terrifying. It's terrifying what, what you see. And, you know, it's, it's, it's mind blowing of, uh, the it's standard American diet is sugar, vegetable oil, (laughs) a lot of different chemicals and preservatives and colors. Um, you know, and it it just breaks my heart. I I had Laura Adler 
on the show just recently. And, you know, obviously environmental toxins and all of that. But we didn't we didn't spend the time talking about obesogens and, you know, uh, xenobiotics. We spent the time talking about the big picture of society and the socioeconomic crisis and, you know, the bigger picture. And so that's where, you know, certainly I was just at a uh, medical doctor's office the other day with my mom uh, to be her advocate and be there for her. And, you know, I'm just kind of observing what's going around. And they have this diabetic magazine sitting here of, um, and I'm, I'm kind of looking at it like, yeah, what, what kind of literature are they putting in hospitals these days, or at least the one that I'm at? And yeah, you know, type two diabetes. And I mean, overall, I was, I was pleased to see the, you know, the information and it, it was constructive and helpful, but also still a very just you know, the, like, take your insulin and, uh, you know, try to improve your lifestyle, very generic. And well, weight loss helps with da da da. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess we have to deliver some kind of information to the masses. But I just really can't respect you more, my brother. Yeah, thank you. I'm saying the feeling is mutual. And you said a lot of important things there. The American Diabetes Association their dietary advice is based off of 0% research and 100% expert consensus. Mm -hmm. I mean, how ridiculous is that? 100% is based off of expert consensus. Uh, And Dr. Ken Berry shared about that and and the tragic advice they give. I I tell people all the time, what if the information they share on their website is actually the information that causes diabetes? I believe it can. Mm -hmm. I mean, grains... They're, they're talking about, yeah, limit your sugar intake, but then they recommend a diet high in carbohydrates that turn it into sugar in the body, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it baffles me. Uh, and then the thing about the toxins, I'm actually, and Laura Adler, she's awesome. She was also on my uh, Keto Camp podcast. Amazing, amazing woman. She, uh, well, I'm going to be giving a talk at uh, Low Carb USA in January in Boca. And my talk is about diabetes, toxins, and obesity. What's the link? What's the mm-hmm. link there? And 33% of diabetes is toxin related. Mm -hmm. So if somebody has toxins in their body from heavy metals, from whatever it is, silver fillings or or lead-based paint, we know that toxins are everywhere. And I'm sure she went into detail on where they are. They're in our freaking dust in our home. Um, When we have toxins in the body, it creates cellular inflammation. When we have cellular inflammation, all of a sudden our receptor sites are blunted. So now insulin cannot get the, the glucose into the cells. So glucose goes up and the pancreas works harder to produce insulin. And if you don't take care of those toxins over time, you become insulin resistant. You could be eating a healthy diet, but if you have toxins, you could become insulin resistant and eventually get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. So there's so many things to consider there. And I don't want to overwhelm people with just freaking them out here. Um, But I just want people to understand that diabetes can be caused from food, lifestyle, and also toxins. And we got to just explore that. That's why it's so important to work with somebody like, like Brendan, who's a health detective, and you could help to identify what are these areas that are leading to the disease, because there's always a cause and an effect. Mm-hmm. What I saw with my dad and the conventional doctors, and I am not bashing doctors, but it's unfortunate that doctors focus on the effect and mm-hmm. They, a lot of the times they neglect to see that there's a cause. Mm-hmm. And Einstein said it best. He said, intellectuals solve problems, geniuses prevent them. 
Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about here is becoming a genius, empowering the world to be a genius here, to figure out what is the cause and not just treat symptoms and play that a whole whack-a-mole game. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, certainly uh, something I've observed because, you know, I I am a younger guy and it's kind of one of those like you learn something uh, new that feels groundbreaking and very important. Um, and then of course, what do you want to do? You want to scream from the rooftops, like everybody needs to know this. And, um, and certainly I found myself like there's a maturity that develops where it's like, okay, well, you know, speak your truth, but you don't always need to project your truth or force your truth upon others. And, you know, you do have to, uh, we all have to deliver education in a, you know, mature and, um, you know, non-invasive or non-overwhelming or abrasive type of way if we want that information to be received well. And, you know, I love it how we're already, you know, talking about the the necessity for uh, a holistic approach where, okay, well, it's it's not just insulin resistance and carbohydrate intake in its own bubble. It's not just the environmental uh, toxins that Lara focuses on or you know, a lot of people know, know me for like mold toxicity and, but that's the beautiful thing. It's like, well, no, I mean, that's where, um, you know, with FDN, which we're both FDN practitioners and how we met, you know, um, metabolic chaos, right? I, I love that phrase, metabolic chaos. And, uh, that's where one of my big goals, I'm hoping to, uh, start a, uh, not for profit research foundation, uh, because it's like, look, you know, we, our, our world, uh, specifically America, is, you know, really suffering from uh, an environmental and lifestyle induced epidemic. Uh, and the healthcare system that we currently have is purely, you know, allopathic. And uh, let's, it, it's, it's very simple, we can't cut and medicate our way out of what is a lifestyle and environmental epidemic. It just, that makes no sense. Now, I will say, I will make the comment, you know, I was very pleased um, and impressed by the experience from Monday uh, when I, I went to the, uh, with my mom to her primary care medical doctor, you know, I, I was very pleased with how receptive and how more kind of integrative um, she was. And now on the one hand, oh gosh, like we're going through a list of like 10 different medications. Like, are all these really necessary? And we're treating side effects of one pill with another pill. And it's just like, ah, okay, well, yep, there's, we got a long ways to go, but, um, healthcare is changing and I'm very excited. It's, it's a very exciting time to be in this industry because I really think we're going to see, um, massive transformation within the next 10 years. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I do agree, especially with the rise of how popular keto is. Yeah, uh, and keto has been proven, if you do it the right way, to reverse things like uh, insulin resistance. So I, I do think so. Also, because of the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing, the work that our community is doing, and social media, the yeah. fact that we have these tools like never before, people could actually look up studies and we can get the message out there. So I'm with you, man. It's an exciting time mm-hmm. uh, in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I like how, um, you know, there's so many, you know, microbiome and environmental toxicity and, you know, keto and sleep science. There's just so many pieces to it. 
Um, and I love seeing this kind of holistic movement on the rise because it's kind of the only way, <laughs> you know, it's kind of the only way forward. So, all right, we're going to dive into this keto stuff, though, because I know that's what the, the crowd give the people what they want. So I'll start this by saying, um, you know, I don't know how many people know this about me other than people that know me from the gym. But when I first started my career, I was all about keto. I lived, breathed, practiced, preached keto. I was like 19, 20, 21. Um, and at that point in time, you know, my, my at the time kind of professionals that I looked up to, um, you know, they were all about keto. And back then it was like, if, if you were into keto, like you were a cool kid, you were ahead of the curve, like you knew something nobody else knew. Um, and of course, you know, I wanted to be one of the cool kids. So I was all about that life. And so I had my own experience with keto, which I've written an article about and posted uh, online. And, you know, I'm pretty knowledgeable on it. And so at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, keto is uh, a potentially amazingly therapeutic tool. And I, I love how literally when we started the show, you described it as a tool in the toolbox. And I love that. It's not a cure-all. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a tool that can be used intelligently. And so, you know, I won't go into a long story of, um, you know, my keto experience, but hey, you know, I, I hate hypocrisy. Uh, I hate sensationalism uh, and, and kind of egotistical bias. And so I, I refuse to be that myself. And that's where I was that guy once upon a time mixing like, okay, you know, peanut butter, heavy whipping cream and protein powder. And that's like my 2000 calorie keto dinner. Um, you know, eating the two packs of bacon with a pack of cheese because, well, it's all about getting that 80% macro fat ratio, bro. You know what I mean? Um, and so then my point being, you know, when I was practicing keto, now there was also a bodybuilding show that, you know, uh, threw me into a metabolic chaos loop because it was the typical, you know, restrictive dieting and suffer and starve and then relapse and all of that. But during that phase, it was the only time in my life I've ever struggled with excess body fat. Now, is that because keto didn't work for me or is it I didn't work for keto? Is it, you know, I wasn't doing it intelligently. So certainly, um, you know, I've got family members right now that are trying to do keto and kind of doing some of the silly behavioral stuff. And that's where, you know, I was very excited to have you on to um, share, you know, some true enlightenment of like, how do we do keto the right way? Uh, because it is a high-skilled diet, and I, I firmly believe if there are not foundational um, behavior uh, behaviors that are not in place, or if we don't have a healthy relationship with ourselves or food to begin with, that's where we start. Not with trying to, you know, weigh our calories and count our macros to make sure our carbs are less than ten percent, and you know what I mean. So. Give us the the one oh one and then we'll just dive in with um how what what would be your initial advice for somebody that is wanting to maybe start keto because they hear about all the rage and they're like, "Is this for me?" Yes, great setup <laughs> well, there's no cookie cutter approach to our health, and keto is the same thing, and as you just yeah. said, it's a tool in the toolbox. I believe it's a very powerful tool that could get amazing results if you do it the right way, and I'll share some tips with you shortly. 
also, it could hurt you if you don't know what you're doing. Same thing as a chainsaw. Chainsaw, powerful tool. If you know how to use it, you'll get amazing results. Don't know how to use it, it's going to hurt you. So we got to use that tool. What's more important than the tool is the person who wields that tool. Mm -hmm. uh, so I tell people that keto, although it is trending on Dr. Google, number one search term, what is the keto diet? Will yield you 180 million results plus. Crazy, number one search term. It's not necessarily a diet. Keto is a metabolic process that's been around since the dawn of humankind. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a survival mechanism that might sound a little extreme when somebody hears survival mechanism, but the body, all it wants to do is survive. Mm -hmm. And it's so sophisticated that when you force this adaptation through a healthy keto lifestyle, the good cells we have in our body, they'll get stronger, right? Mm -hmm. The bad cells, when you create adaptation, they don't adapt well. The mitochondria that's damaged, it does not adapt well. So you're cleaning out house. What are some things that somebody who wants to follow keto or they just started keto to get them amazing results? Well, I don't think you should be in ketosis all the time. I teach somebody to get to use keto as a way to reset your hormones, teach yourselves to burn fat instead of sugar, mm -hmm. reverse insulin resistance if you have that. And once you accomplish that, then it's time to start flexing out of ketosis. And how long do you flex for? How long are you in ketosis? It varies on the person. And that's where the difficulty is in communicating that through our social media and our videos because it's different for every single person. So every time I share something, it's, I'm giving you general rules to follow. But the answer I'm going to give you here is I like a 80% in ketosis, 20% out of ketosis type of philosophy for most people. Mm -hmm. uh, so what are some things to consider though when you start going into keto, into a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet? Number one, you got to make sure your liver and gallbladder are efficient. Mm -hmm. That liver is pumping out healthy bile to break down that fat mm -hmm. because bile not only breaks down that fat, not only acts as a detergent to break down all the fats on keto, but it's also what's going to help remove toxins from the body. Mm -hmm. And when you lose weight on keto, guess what gets dumped into your bloodstream? Toxins. And I'm sure Laura, had, Laura probably spoke about that because all these fat-soluble toxins, they get stored in our fat cells as a survival mechanism. The body is so brilliant. So when we start to lose weight on keto, our body cannot burn toxins for fuel. So mm -hmm. as we burn fat cells, those toxins get dumped into the bloodstream. And if you have sluggish bile because you have a fatty liver and that liver has been beat up all your life, then all of a sudden you cannot remove those toxins and you'll feel like crap and you cannot break down that fat and you'll feel like crap. And all of a sudden you're thinking keto doesn't work for me. Uh, I'm not getting the results I want. This diet is stupid. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not necessarily true. It's just the approach was, was um, not the right approach. So some things you can do is gradually, if you're a pure sugar burner eating, let's say, 300, 400 grams of carbs a day, gradually start to decrease those carbohydrates while you increase healthy protein, healthy fat, and no snacking in between meals. That's kind of like the first tip right there. While you do that, have bitter-rich foods. Bitter is better. Ginger, ginger tea, dandelion greens, dandelion tea, dark chocolate, even coffee that I have here, organic shade grown, mold free, the mold guy, <laughs> toxin free coffee will help stimulate uh, uh, bile to break down that fat. And then also maybe taking a digestive enzyme with ox bile to help break down that fat. That'll make a big difference. Also, you're going to lose a lot of water weight. The kidneys will release a lot of water weight and electrolytes when you transition from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. So it's important to get in high quality sea salt 
every single day. In the morning, I put it in my water, I put it in my coffee. Coffee is a diuretic, by the way, so you lose more electrolytes. So throw in some sea salt, replenish the electrolytes. Those two tips right there will go a long way with feeling better and avoiding the keto flu, which is really just a carbohydrate withdrawal symptoms going on. Uh, so that's the first step, and we could take it from there. Uh, dude, that was literally, literally the uh, best intro to keto I've ever heard. And you know, I, I, I've talked to many of people. Um, you touched on some some absolutely crucial pieces there. I'm I'm really glad you brought up the uh, the toxin release and toxin storage of fat cells and, and the bile flow. Um, because absolutely, you know, I think any kind of weight loss program needs to also be a detoxification program. Period. Uh, because of that, and then certainly. You know, uh, these days, obviously, gut health and microbiome health is is kind of all the rage as well, uh, which is is great. You know, I'm happy to see that because, yeah, I mean, I, I think we all pretty much agree that like, okay, well, gut health is kind of ground zero for uh, overall metabolic health. You know, we are the result of what we ingest, but then more so what we're able to, you know, digest and absorb and assimilate. Um, and so certainly, yeah, that, that bile, that's going to help us emulsify those fats. Uh, but like you said, all of, all of the, um, toxins that get processed in the liver get dumped in the bile. And a lot of Americans, a lot of people, uh, have biliary stasis or, you know, um, I was just doing recordings for my course yesterday and, you know, getting into the methylation modules. And so then it's like, oh, well, you have you know, 50% of the population has, uh, you know, uh, deficient methylation. Uh, they don't have enough phosphatidylcholine to make that bile viscous, which a hey, methylation is phase two detox pathway itself. So I love that you're starting with like, okay, bile flow, gut health, how can we uh, in the detoxification process. Now with the um, carb adaptation versus fat adapted, I remember Way back in the day, Mark Sisson had a beautiful article about fat adaptation, and you know that just like blew my mind back then. And like with metabolic testing or VO two testing, uh, you know we can look at the respiratory quotient, right? So we have you know 0.7 res respiratory quotient, which uh, theoretically is like pure fat burning versus a respiratory quotient of 1.0. Well, that's that's anaerobic threshold and, and sugar burning, right? Um, not that we need to give the crowd a, a lesson on like aerobic anaerobic metabolism, but I think it's important for them to understand if if we simplify of like okay, well, the the body really works through the principle of trying to strive to maintain homeostasis through the principle of specific adaptation to impose demand. So obviously, if we're you know feeding ourselves high sugar diets, what does the body get good? and reliant uh, at using as its primary fuel source. Well, well, sugar. And so that is always kind of that foundational principle that gets people interested, like, oh, wait a second, I can train my body to be better burning, uh, you know, be better at burning fat. So certainly that is kind of the metabolic adaptation. And a lot of people, of course, with typical dieters and seeking that instant gratification, hey, let me just jump, you know, I don't know how to swim, but I want to learn how to swim. So let me jump into the ocean and just see what happens. And that's what a lot of people are doing with keto, right? And so the keto flu that is going to occur, aka, like you jumped in the ocean, you're starting to drown because you don't know how to swim. Yep. You know, so it's like, let's start tippy, tippy toeing in the water. So are you, how would you um, recommend somebody 
transition into keto? You know, you mentioned, okay, well, let's start by starting to lower the carbohydrate, starting to raise the fat. Do you feel like there's a certain time frame that there should be this transition, you know, a week, a month, two months, or how would you um, explain and recommend that? Yeah, great question. In my, I have an online program called the Keto Camp Academy, and in the academy, I have a 28-day keto jumpstart. And I have a, so I have a four-pillar approach to the way I teach keto. The first pillar is the adapt pillar, the adaptation, fat adaptation, which takes 28 days. And that's where I have the structure of, okay, let's determine how many carbs you're having right now. Let's say it's 300. Well, this week, the next seven days, I want you to drop that to 200 while you increase these specific sources of fats, bitter-rich foods, and protein with no snacking in between meals. And then we keep doing that until we get to the desired effect of 50 grams of carbohydrates or less per day and eating until full, having those protein and fat foods that help satiate us. So it typically takes about four weeks to get that person the right way into ketosis so they don't feel like crap as they make that transition. I'm with you. I think it's important not to just jump off and figure out how to swim when it comes to keto. I like it in other components, maybe with business, but I know a lot of influencers, keto guys, they teach that. Just suck it up, get through that keto flu. I don't think it's necessary. I think there's a, there's a better approach to doing it. So once I get them into that into ketosis, which I verify with blood ketones, mm-hmm. I got to tell people that all the time I get people commenting, hey, I, te- I checked my urine strips, I checked my breath, and I'm not in ketosis. I've been doing keto for six months. I got to tell you that those are not as accurate as blood. It's mm-hmm. not going, especially the urine, because it's only accurate in the first few weeks. But once your body gets efficient at metabolizing those ketones, it won't show up in the urine, which is a good thing. Uh, number two is, yes, check your blood. I use Keto Mojo. But we Mm -hmm. don't chase ketones, we chase results, okay? Mm -hmm. Higher ketones are not necessarily better, and as you know, that means your body is not metabolizing those ketones, which Mm -hmm. we don't like that. So I have found the sweet spot for me, and it's different for everybody, to be somewhere between 0.8 and Mm 2.5, unless I'm doing like a block fast, an extended fast, then the ketones will go up. So we get into ketosis, that's the adapt pillar. The second pillar is the fast pillar. That's where I introduce intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like an 18-6 schedule. That's my favorite schedule, which means 18 hours, you're in a fasted state, you're having water, you're having sea salt, very important. Mm-hmm. You can have things like coffee or tea if you determine that it does not break your fast. Uh, so 18 hours, you're fasted. Six hours, you're feasting. That's an important word, feasting, eating until full, reminding the body that it's not starving. This approach is not meant to cut calories. This approach is not about eating less. This approach is about eating less often. Mm-hmm. So you still have the same calories, the same meals, but within a specific window. That's the uh, fast pillar. The third pillar is what I call the phase pillar. That's where we actually go strict keto, very extreme, just for two weeks. We mm-hmm. go down to 10 grams of carbohydrates. We force the mitochondria to start burning subcutaneous fat, to start adapting to only using fat for fuel short term. Mm-hmm. Once you get through that third pillar, you graduate into my fourth pillar, which is the flex pillar. Then I provide different variations of you to practice keto flexing. Depending on your goals, you would do different rules, but that's where you follow the different approaches to start getting out of ketosis. With that being said, there are specific considerations for women who have their monthly cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what I have in my academy 
for women who have their monthly cycle, I don't recommend being in ketosis five to seven days leading up to their monthly cycle, mm-hmm. not doing much fasting that same week, because that's the week that insulin from those carbohydrate-rich foods will help specific conversions, hormonal conversions, and help with the uterine lining in that monthly cycle. So there are unique considerations there, but I say, so five to seven days, get out of ketosis, and then once your period um, starts, you could go right back in. So there's always special considerations, and I hope I was able to get that through, that message there. Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, your 28-day keto jumpstart, that sounds amazing, and I, I want to be sure to to get you know a link uh, for information to provide everybody with that, because that sounds like the best you know, keto jumpstart I've ever heard of. Um, and Thank you know, you. I, I think it's amazing that you're like this, I'm, I'm just mind blown. This is amazing stuff. Um, cause it is, it's like, how do we bio-individualize keto? And so certainly, you know, in this episode, uh, I, I love that we started with the, the purpose and the psychology and, um, even relationship with food. And, you know, as much as I love going in those topics, those are topics I discuss on other episodes. But, you know, if I was giving somebody advice, it's like, all right, well, step one, let's start working on improving the relationship with yourself, your environment, your food, your loved ones, you know, doing that ego work that, you know, and so that's where we're about to release the episode with holistic psychologists of like, let's improve, let's learn how to practice unconditional love. You know, and then okay, what's next? Well, let's start moving. Let's uh, let's eat real food only. Um, when when I uh, it was after uh, my first bodybuilding show, and I was still very hell bent on making keto work for me. And to be honest, I wasn't in a good place, like mentally. I was really struggling with depression and fatigue and a lot of other stuff. I was one of those unhealthy fit people. Yeah. Um, and it's funny how actually becoming a fitness professional at first made me like less fit and less healthy, you know, cause you, you learn a thing or two. And I became that guy that was like anything more than 13 reps is cardio and it's going to kill your gains. That was me, you know, meanwhile, like, let me get my super fatty, you know, prime rib, uh, you know, and just doing stupid stuff and not practicing it well. And yeah, you know, I had a great respiratory quotient. You know, I did, I, I had before and after, um, you know, metabolic testing RMR results of like, oh yeah, used to be very much a sugar burner at rest. Well, that's not right. We're supposed to burn fat at rest. It's not, you know, we don't, we're not supposed to tap into glycogen and sugar until we start becoming more um, anaerobic. Let's save that sugar and creatine for anaerobic activity. Like there's a reason why we only store, you know, 200 grams of glycogen in the liver. And there's a reason why glycogen can't be released from skeletal muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like how you mentioned how, you know, keto is kind of a survival mechanism of, all right, well, carbohydrate scarce environment, red blood cells and neurons. Hey, we need uh, an alternative fuel source because there's insufficient glucose. Let's start cranking out this, um, you know, these ketones. And now, of course, we have all this um, exogenous ketone or, you know, different types of supplements to help kind of further stimulate ketones. I'm glad you brought up intermittent fasting because that was another thing. You know, if we think about it from, you know, more primal, well, yeah, it's not really natural to constantly pass a, you know, steady and consistent stream of food stuff through our gastrointestinal tract. Like, that's not really normal. Like we didn't evolve that way. We, we feasted and we fasted. 
Um, but a lot of, as you said, it was what, 60% of Americans are insulin resistant and type 2 diabetic? Yep. So, okay, well, uh, a lot of, and, and uh, you know, gut health, right? How many Americans have like good microbiome health? Not, not too many. Maybe so like less than 5%. <laughs> totally, totally. So that's beautiful. So we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to do a transition into keto. We're going to bioindividualize it. Um, so what, what demographics would you say are ideal for considering um, transitioning into keto? Definitely entrepreneurs, somebody or small business owners, somebody who wants to get rid of brain fog and get to the root cause of their weight gain because mm-hmm. weight gain is not the problem, it's the symptom of the problem. So keto, healthy keto will help you get to the actual cause and help your cells get healthier and then a side effect of getting healthier is the weight will come off. Mm-hmm. So anybody who has more than 10 pounds to lose, anybody who has insulin resistance, absolutely. An entrepreneur who wants to use ketones as a little biohack to fuel the brain. To, mm-hmm. to, and, and the cool thing about that, once you are keto adapted, it's such a burden off the shoulders. You don't have mm-hmm. to snack every two to three hours. You don't have to travel on an airplane and eat airplane food. When I'm traveling, I'm fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that airplane is already inflammatory. So putting food and taking resources away from healing the body from that airplane to digest food is not a good idea for me. So I'll fast. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're traveling, these are great hacks for you to incorporate into your lifestyle. Now you want to make sure you do it the right way. Like I mentioned earlier on keto, there's no cookie cutter approach to keto. There is some specific foods that I tell my keto campers to avoid and those are vegetable oils, and mm-hmm. they're everywhere. And you talk about it, soybean oil, canola, uh, cottonseed, sunflower, peanut, uh, grapeseed, all these are inflammatory. The body cannot burn these vegetable oils. They actually sit on the cell membrane. And a, a, study, a study showed in the, the PEO solution by Professor Peskin, on average, when you consume these cooked vegetable oils, it stays on our cells, our cell membrane becomes inflamed on average for 132 days. Mm. Five minutes of pleasure, five months of dysfunction. So yes, you could get into ketosis by eating these inflammatory oils, but you're not going to get healthy. So mm. instead, it's important to eat, have the right oils, avocado oil, olive oil, coconut oil, MCT oil, grass-fed butter, grass-fed ghee. Our cells love that. Our cells will prefer that as a fuel source. Uh, so to answer your question, a long-winded answer, uh, I think it's great for anybody to use it as a tool. Now, how long they use it will depend on that person's goal. Mm-hmm. Love, yeah, love that answer. Let's let's customize it to the individual. Um, do, 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 do. So uh, like omega-3 testing, you know, something uh, obviously in our, you know, functional lab testing world that we're both a part of, um, I don't think enough people are just doing little finger prick omega-3, omega-6 test, you know, so, so speaking of the you know, uh, refined vegetable oils and everything, a lot of omega-6, a lot of polyunsaturated. And, uh, you know, certainly that was something I teach in my course. I have a whole module, uh, because like, okay, non, you know, a lot of, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are extremely educated. So it's like, how much detail do we go into? But, um, you know, arachidonic acid and, and inflammation and eicosanoid modulation and, and cell membrane health. I, I think people don't really realize it's like, okay, your body's made up of about 50, 150 trillion human cells and 
we actually have a lot more microbial cells than human cells. We're more bacteria than human, fun fact. Um, but then it's like, okay, every single one of these human cells has this phospholipid membrane. And the fats that you eat are what your cell membranes end up made up of. And so when you're consuming all of these, um, you know, very chemically unstable, you know, vegetable oils or the transaturated fat, you know, we're just packing every one of our cell membranes full of, I kind of like to describe it like gunpowder, right? You know, they're highly reactive, highly inflammatory. All we need is that spark. And in today's world, we have tons of sparks left and right. You know, EMF radiation is a spark. Mm. Uh, you know, food sensitivities is a spark. Microbial imbalances or, you know, a, a fun fact that I think people going in keto need to know with, uh, you know, gut health and endotoxemia. So all these lipopolysaccharides are being released from bad bugs. Well, saturated fat helps transport those across the intestinal lumen, you know, so then it's like, we really have to make sure we're, we're laying that foundation. You talked about bile earlier. Bile is enormously um, important for, you know, cleaning out bad bacteria of the gut. So this is where I think people can, you know, um, absolutely be successful of let's shift from a carbohydrate adapted metabolism into more of a fat adapted. Let's work on that gut health. Let's work on that bile flow. Let's work on that detox. Um, you know, so I, I think I, I love how you're breaking it down into a step-by-step -step progression. So with intermittent fasting, um, certainly a lot of people might not be able to tolerate it right away. Like if, if you're one of those 60% and you're insulin resistant, you probably don't have the blood sugar stability and, and regulation to be able to go for, um, you know, however many hours. So what advice would you give somebody that's, that's struggling to stick to like your, uh, 18, six, you know, window there? Yeah. Uh, great question. Fasting is a muscle, a muscle you develop. So that's why it's my second pillar. I don't, I don't recommend it until you get fat adapted first, because what happens if you, if you just say, Oh, I heard about all these benefits of fasting, which by the way, fasting is my favorite tool in that toolbox. Mm -hmm. I love keto, but fasting is my favorite thing to study and to teach. I think it's fantastic. It's done amazing things for my health and my community. It's helped reverse my, my Raynaud's disease, by the way. Mm. Um, so I would say this, if you go into a fast because you heard all the benefits of it, but you're not fat adapted, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start, you're going to skip lunch and you're going to be a very angry person. <laughs> you're going to be hangry. Your blood sugar is going to drop specifically your glucose in your brain but you don't have the metabolic flexibility now to go from burning sugar, which your body's used to doing for so many years, to tapping into your fat stores. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that flexibility yet. You haven't worked, put in the work to develop that muscle. So the body will then, the brain will send the body an intense signal for cravings to get carbohydrates, to get sugar, to get that glucose spike. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have the best willpower in the world. I'm just gonna fight that through. I'm a freaking badass. Screw these cravings. And you just fight through it. You fight through it. What happens is then your body's going to say, okay, you're not going to eat the sugar. I'm going to break down your protein and turn that into sugar via gluconeogenesis. Mm -hmm. So you start to lose muscle. You start to lose protein. And uh, that could be a bad thing as well because we know that muscle is a longevity organ. You're a perfect example of that. So what we want to do is we want to get fat adapted first so you don't have that issue. So once your brain stops using the glucose and your body starts 
to get low in your glycogen stores and you actually burn through your glycogen stores, your sugar reserves, all of a sudden now you're fat adapted and you turn on the switch to Mm -hmm. tap into your fat stores, you start breaking down triglycerides. Now your liver sends a signal to produce ketones for the brain. That's what we want to do. So you want to get fat adapted. I recommend getting fat adapted and keto adapted first. That's why I teach people to do that first for 28 days and then I add the intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. You know, and it's it's funny how uh, human we humans we do uh, a really good job at overcomplicating everything. You know, and it's like, well, there's only three macro. You know, and, and then these days, carnivore. You know, carnivore is starting to pick up a lot too. And it's just like, how many ways can we overcomplicate? And it's like, well, maybe we should just eat real food, real food from the earth that's clean and clean sourced. And listening to our bodies. So um, my friend Jade Tata, who he's coming on the show next month. I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah, I love his work. Um, yeah, Jade, Jade is, oh my gosh. Like he was a game changer in my career when I started studying his work. I immediately took a hard turn into, you know, more functional medicine stuff. And um, he he developed a tool, you know, keep your heck in check, your hunger, energy cravings. And I took that one step further of um, HECM. So hunger, energy, cravings, mood. And so I like to teach clients like, okay, pretty simple. We're going to develop some mindfulness and awareness of self, which is pretty important for everything in life. But it's like, if uh, we, you know, know, and some people, they might need to write it down, you know, they, until they develop that awareness. Um, But it's one of those like, okay, so hunger, energy, cravings, motivation, Uh, mindfully rate that on a scale of zero to 10, zero being not present, 10 being extremely high, you know, so the goal, you know, let's keep your hunger um, always less than like a seven or eight. By the time you're hitting seven, eight of hunger, maybe you should eat, you know, maybe you should eat. Um, Energy, let's keep that above uh, a five or six. You know, we want to keep energy high, hunger low, cravings low, mood and and, uh, mood and, you know, mental health high. And so I think if we uh, apply that principle of awareness because then as we're okay i'm going to do a 24 hour fast and i think there's a balancing act of like if if you're because the fear and this was me back in the day i'm not a hypocrite back in the day you know i'm okay i'm gonna fat because I, I was i was doing intermittent fasting with keto and i was trying to um keep myself to like a six or eight hour eating window but exactly that you know, uh, I'm, I'm not doing an intelligent keto diet. I already have bad gut health. I already have all these, uh, metabolic issues. And then I'm trying to, you know, force my body to do something it's not ready to do. And so then what happens? Well, I end up binging, you know, I I eat a bunch of high fat, but then I go binge on sugar because I'm getting exactly what you just said. So I think this type of conversation is going to be extremely valuable for the people that, well, they're trying to do the keto because they've heard of all the amazing benefits, but then they're struggling to implement it and they don't know why. Yeah, and it's and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of bad information out there. And there's a lot of good information, but it's hard. That, what, what The problem is this, and I experienced it myself, and sometimes I still do. I go and I look at research and I see highly credible people saying, you should do it this way. And then I see highly credible people saying, you should do it the exact opposite way. And for the average person, it'll leave them paralyzed. For example, look at the documentary Game Changers. I'm sure you've had so many people ask you about the. Mm. Have you heard about it? The vegan documentary. Yeah, and I saw that 
you know, Joe Rogan, Chris Kresser episode that everybody's talking about now. I haven't seen it though. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great episode. But mm-hmm. the example I want to give is that documentary is probably the best vegan documentary in the history of this world. They did a really mm-hmm. fantastic job production, the money they put into it. And it's doing a lot more harm than good because it's mm-hmm. very much propaganda based, bias based and fear mongering. But the average person is going to watch that and say, oh my gosh, I'm going vegan. And then they'll get some results short term and then all of a sudden they'll hit that vegan wall and they're going to blame themselves and not the, the bad signs in that film. So what our work is so important to get this information out there to cut through all that noise because the average person will be so confused, so misinformed. And that's why we have a sick world. And uh, the job that we're doing is so important because it helps get cut through all that noise Mm -hmm. yeah exactly you know i I always joke like death to bro science a little bit um gotta gotta kill that bro science but um you couldn't be more right so something um you know we're both familiar with like uh metabolic typing or somatotyping or you know there's a lot of kind of different methodologies they're all basically built on the same principle of kind of like all right well you're either more of like a, a mixed burner fat burner, sugar burner, or like, you know, muscle burner versus fat burner. There's kind of different ways of uh, portraying it, but it kind of comes down to the same concept. And, you know, like somatotyping, are are you an endomorph? Like you're just naturally kind of thick, you know, you're an ectomorph, you're a hard gainer, you have a hard time putting on muscle and you don't gain fat very easily and you can get away with eating anything, those people, or you're kind of somewhere in the middle. And I always like to describe that as like a spectrum of zero to a hundred, so like 33.3, you know, of fat burner, 33.3 mixed burner, 33.3, um, you know, sugar burner. And so I think people need to recognize they're going to kind of fall somewhere within that spectrum. And the type of, you know, fuel mixture, right? We only have three macronutrients, you know, they probably all serve their purpose. Or, you know, maybe we could say there's 3.5 macronutrients with ketones being kind of that 0.5 or something. Um, and I think people need to kind of understand, like, we have to, again, start with real food and then start customizing that based on, you know, what feels right and doing it in an intelligent way. Because, you know, I firmly believe if uh, all of America stripped away grains and dairy and we just ate real food, that would work wonders. Or, you know, if we all did paleo or all did Whole30, that would work wonders. Or, yeah, even if we, uh, as a nation, and this is where I, the keto diet is um, a lot of ways a potential savior, you know, 60% are insulin resist. What's one of the fastest ways to, to reverse insulin resistance? Well, yeah, ketogenic diet is a, is a shiner. Absolutely. But as, as we can really see now through this conversation, it has to be done uh, intelligently rather than, you know, slurping on that uh, toxin laden you know, heavy whipping cream mm-hmm. or slim fast keto products. Oh, does that exist already? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been co-opted dude. <sighs> well, that's really unfortunate. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about gut health and keto. We talked about bile. How do you feel about, um, gut health in relation to implementing a ketogenic diet? Yeah. It's so important. I mean, we, 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 you talk a lot about gut health and I've learned a lot from you actually about gut health. It's one of the, the legs of the stool. And doc, my coach, Dr. Pompa, talks about this. The, there's three legs to the stool. You have your DNA, the genes that we're born with. You have 
your gut microbiome and then you have other hidden stressors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that gut is dysfunctioning, all of a sudden that stool falls over, you trigger the, a bad gene, right? You mm-hmm. trigger an autoimmune gene. So a lot of these autoimmune diseases, we have a hundred of them that have been classified as autoimmune, another 40 that's been associated with autoimmune. A lot of that stems from the gut. Your body starts to attack itself. And you talk a lot about this. It starts to attack your thyroid, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, starts to attack your joints or rheumatoid arthritis. So if you could focus on the cause and start healing the gut, a lot of those genes will get um, fixed. My perfect example here is this. I have Raynaud's disease. Raynaud's is a a disease where my hands are super cold. I don't get good uh, blood flow to my fingertips to the point, Brendan, where my quality of life was so low because of this. You know, anytime I was in a cold room, I was freezing. My hands were ice cold. They would go numb. They would like turn white. If I drank like a Zevia, I drank Zevia sometimes I get it from the fridge and I'm holding that can of, of Zevia for more than 10 minutes, my hands will go numb and I have to like put it underneath a a warmer to get it warm because I don't have good blood flow. Um, I was actually hiking in Washington a couple years ago and I, and I polar plunge in this freezing lake and I almost lost my fingers. Honestly, I, they went gangrene on me. I had to find hikers and get a lighter to light a fire underneath my fingers. I thought I was going to lose them. So it was terrible. It's a terrible way to live. And it was triggered because of my leaky gut mold exposure, heavy metals in my silver fillings. Mm. So I got out of the house that I had mold. I did mold detox. I removed my amalgam fillings safely. Mm. I, I'm pulling out the mercury from my, my brain tissue. I'm fixing my gut, which was one of the pillars here. And I got to tell you this. I haven't shared this yet. It's been, well, let me, before I share it. Another thing that happens with this rain odds, and I don't know if somebody listening to this, they're thinking, oh my God, this is happening to me too. I didn't know I had rain odds. When I eat a meal at night, like clockwork, after I'm done with that meal, my hands get the opposite, super warm and inflamed, and they start to swell up where I can't even pull, pull off my ring. It happens every single night, always at dinner, last meal of the day. It's been 30 plus days now, and I haven't had any of those flare-ups, and it, my hands are not even that cold anymore. I'm starting to actually reverse this thing, finally, but it's been chipping away at my gut pulling out the, the, the toxins, the mercury in my brain, working on the mold, the mycotoxins in my body. But the, one of the stools was that gut. I started mm-hmm. to fix my gut. I started to do things like fasting, which help repair the gut. And the reason I share this is because people think that they have autoimmune and they're stuck with it for the rest of their life. But that was a gene that was turned on. And genes are like the lights I have in this room, we turn on the lights, we turn off the lights, we could turn off those genes, I'm turning off my genes, you could do it yourself. And one of the ways to do it is with the gut, the gut is crucial, you said we're more bacteria than anything else. It's true. And our immune system is in the gut, it is the second brain. So you got to find a way to heal that gut, um, eating bitter rich foods, getting rid of other stressors, uh, figuring out your trigger foods, definitely get mm-hmm. the grains out, get the pasteurized dairy out, the soybeans, the corn, even peanuts. You probably talk about this. Peanuts are loaded with mold mycotoxins. It's mm-hmm. one of the highest amount. And coffee, coffee is creating leaky gut. Uh, pesticides and herbicides, coffee is the number one sprayed crop in the world. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to Starbucks every single morning, Dunkin' Donuts, and you're going through the drive through and you're drinking that coffee, that's poking holes in your gut. And the last point I'm going to make here is alcohol, specifically wine. The Mm -hmm. average California red wine has 64 
herbicides and pesticides sprayed on it. So if mm-hmm. you're having a nightly cup of wine, it's creating leaky gut. So if mm-hmm. you remove the stressors, the body will heal. I'm a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that was beautiful. I mean, you touched on so many crucial and and that's where um you know that that's that's what this podcast is all about is like how on earth could the the average person living their normal life that they don't study any of this stuff for a living and it's like because there's so many pieces just now we we talked about you know gut health we talked about bioflow we talked about uh mycotoxicosis we talked about heavy metals and it's like yeah all the above it all has to be addressed um you know a lot of people know me for uh, you know, my organic acid skills. Um, and you know, I've got to say it's, it's such a beautiful tool because, you know, we're able to get insight into microbes and gut health right there on page one. Uh, well, what's page two and three, we're looking at toxicity. We're looking at detox pathways. We're looking at cellular metabolism. We look at Krebs cycle. We look at, uh, glycolytic markers. And actually there's a ketone and fatty acid oxidation section. And, I think people need to understand, like, honestly, a healthy individual, a healthy metabolism, a lot of people will dip into ketosis overnight. Yeah. You know, like I myself, I don't, I don't do a ketogenic diet per se, you know, uh, if I had to describe my diet, I guess I'd probably just say paleo and I intermittently intermittent fast, aka I eat when I want, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, Keep it simple. But, um, you know, every time I do my oat test, yeah, I, I've got some uh, ketones coming out in, in that morning urine sample because, uh, yeah, overnight. Um, and, and so I do think everybody should be fat adapted. Now, whether that means we go all the way to ketosis, who knows? But, you know, some, um, you know, supplements and stuff, I'm kind of thinking of almost like a... Uh, like a, a keto supplement starter pack because you know everybody's reaching for you know ghee and, and MCT oil. And I feel like okay, how about let's put in a spore biotic, you know, because the ketogenic diet we do have to be mindful. We've got to get enough uh, fibers and veggies to improve microbial diversity, um, and that's where you know spore biotics. Well, they reduce lipopolysaccharide induced endotoxemia, so we're kind of cutting down a little bit on that. Inflammatory piece there. Um, they improve microbial diversity. I think maybe some immunoglobulins, you know, to neutralize or some uh, binders, right? And we're mm-hmm. talking about detox. Um, and then I think maybe like phosphatidylcholine too, and with mm-hmm. the bitters, because like let's get that bile flow and let's improve that cell membrane permeability. Now I'm kind of feeling inspired. I feel like I should make a little uh, bundle or something for that. Yeah, hmm. I love it. We might be onto something with that. So first off, how are you doing on time? I want to make sure I'm not taking up your whole day. So I have a live stream at 12 my time. So I have 20 more minutes. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I've, I've got a meeting at that time too. Perfect. Perfect. So your um, wh- what's what's your your next thing? You have your your 28 day thing, which I want to talk about a little bit more momentarily. Um, and I see you out there lecturing and speaking and educating the masses. So what are what are some exciting things you're working on right now to further deliver all this amazing info? Yeah, thank you. I see you too, by the way, brother. Uh, getting the message out there. Uh, social media is one of those tools. My YouTube channel is probably the biggest uh, thing for me right now. It's really grown uh, fast since I've launched the channel 
about a year ago. It's got over 60,000 subscribers in less than a year and it's, it's growing. So I, I have a goal to get that to a million by the end of next year. Uh, and the, the significance of that number is, is, yeah, it's pretty cool to say I got a million subscribers, but more important than that, that's a million people that's getting this information on a weekly basis. And I put out a new video professionally edited. I study and I make sure I research and put it out about four times a week. Every other day I'm releasing a brand new video on that channel. So that I'm working on that. That's my biggest thing. Growing the podcast as well. Just getting the information as much as possible. Like you said, lecturing. I want to be doing more lectures. You're doing a lot of lectures. I want to speak at FDN. I want to get out there. I really, my highest value is speaking in front of people. I'm going to be yeah. speaking later today in downtown Miami, in New Orleans this Saturday. I just want to speak in front of people. I really enjoy that. Yeah. And all of that leads to how could they work with me? How could they get this information from me? And that's my online program, uh, the Keto Camp Academy. It has that 28-day jump start. That's just one component in there. there. There's a section in there, as you touched upon, called Mental Six-Pack. That, that's the section that I want people to go in there and watch a video or two. It's all self-development videos because I can tell you everything you need to know about keto and fasting. But if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have love mm -hmm. and gratitude, which are two of the biggest healers in this world, you can't heal yourself. Like uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Will Cole says all the time, you cannot heal a body you hate. Yeah. So the significance of this section is to start loving yourself, start practicing gratitude, start becoming a victor of your future and not a victim of your past. And then you take control and then everything else, the keto, the fasting, I have sleep, I have fitness in there. All that works better because of what's going on on the inside. So mm -hmm. I, I'm so happy with my Keto Camp Academy. I just launched it a couple months ago. We have 136 members right now. I have a goal to get 1,000 by the end of April. Um, so that's my big thing. It's updated every single week. I'm getting all this information and I'm curating it into the academy. And it's going to help me get the information out to the world because anybody in the world could join that academy. That's absolutely amazing. Congratulations on everything you're doing. Thank you, Brendan. I appreciate yeah. you. Thank yeah, you. I think I, I love that. And so with, um, you know, we're kind of right on the edge of it. So unconditional love, because with my Holistic Savage tribe, you know, we've got our our 60 day Holistic Savage challenge, which is, you know, I mean, as you can imagine, it's a uh, it's a jumpstart to, you know, lay the foundation. And so certainly we teach all the principles of, of um, you know, nutrition and exercise and mindfulness and uh, you know, all the things, but, but it's all the, the big thing. And you just mentioned it is, uh, in, you know, Will Cole's, uh, quote there. Every time, you know, somebody is, Hey, I want to improve my health. I want to do this diet. And again, that's where let's do the five Y exercise. Ask yourself, like, why do I want to do the ketogenic diet? Well, I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Uh, well, I want to feel better. Why do you want to feel better? Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like keep yes. going until you really get to that root cause of why, what is your why? If you don't know your why you're going to give up and you know, it's not going to go very well. Um, but the big thing, it, it is that paradigm shift of the mental six pack where most, um, most dieters, most people trying to seek better health, they're doing it out of self-loathing. You know, they don't like, and, and again, this is, I'm saying this through experience and I can only speak for myself, but you know, I didn't like myself going to, you know, I, I would punish myself in the gym rather than, um, you know, work out because I love my body and I want to give it the stimuli it needs to operate at its best. So it's again, that reframe of, we have to move, 
and, and be fueling this whole health seeking process out of unconditional self love. And, and I firmly believe unconditional love for self and others. It's the only way, you know, it's the fifth dimension. It's our, our natural state before we get domesticated and unplugged. Uh, and then we domesticate ourselves. And what's that story that we're telling ourselves, you know, uh, inadequacy, you're not good enough. So you have to intermittent fast. You're, you're not skinny enough. You're not cool enough. So you have to, you know, do the, the same diet everybody else is doing. And so I love how we're kind of bringing this full circle of let's get back to, we have to learn, um, the practice, the discipline that is unconditional self-love and move through that day by day. And so the fact that you're incorporating that into a ketogenic program, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. I love that you have your 60-day uh, program as well because it takes about 66 days to develop a new habit. Yeah. So it's not 21 days, it's not 28 days. So having something like that is so important because we don't get what we want in life. We get what we are and what we are is our thoughts. And if we are thinking negative thoughts about somebody, ourselves, for sure, that's, that's the problem. If you're, if you're thinking hateful thoughts, if you're looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, oh gosh, I'm so ugly, I'm so fat, that's creating inflammation in your body. Yeah. Uh, and this might be woo-woo to some people, but I got to tell you, love and gratitude have made such an impact in my life. I practice mm -hmm. love and gratitude. I look in the mirror every day and I tell myself I love myself. I practice gratitude. And I do something else that this might help people out there who are hurting because of something somebody did to them. And I'm not negating what happened to you in your, in your situation at all. But something that I do is I'll send love to people that are bothering me every morning. And I learned this from Bob Proctor. I'll think about, first of all, I'll think about something I do love so much. So my girlfriend, my dog, uh, Brendan, I'll think about somebody, something I love, and I'll get that energy mm. of love. And then I'll think about somebody who's bothering me at the moment. And, and it could be a hateful YouTube comment or something like that or something somebody did to me in the past. And I'll transfer that love energy to that person because I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing mm -hmm. it for myself because mm -hmm. if I kept thinking negative thoughts about that person, well, a universal law is that you get what you think about. Yes. Whatever you feed energy to comes right back to you. You know all about this. So if I think something, I don't even have to say it. If I'm thinking, oh, that person's a freaking asshole. Screw him. Screw her. That's going to come back to me. It might not come from that person or on that day, but you better believe it's going to come back to me. So what if I flipped it around and send love to that person? Well, that'll come back to me and then I'll heal and I'll get a better life as a result. So this might be woo-woo, but I encourage you to try it out, to do it, not just try it, to do it and stick with it. And you're going to see that it's going to make a big difference for whatever diet philosophy you follow. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I know uh, all the listeners of this show will eat that up because literally our very first episode that we released was energy as medicine with a Reiki practitioner. So, um, you know, we're, we're a pretty woo woo group, but, yes. but, you know, that's the thing is, you know, I am a very spiritual dude. I'm rocking the, you yeah. know, <laughs> I love all it. the time. Um, but I'm not a woo woo individual at all. I am very evidence based, very science based. And that's what's so exciting about these days. The science is there, the science of neuroplasticity and how, you know, one of my favorite um, phrases, thoughts become proteins. You know, we, we always used to say thoughts become things, right? And it's like, well, yes, but uh, more specifically and more scientifically, thoughts become proteins. You know, the, the thoughts that we have 
you know, shape the neural networks. But what we've really learned, and that's where, um, like Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing a lot of amazing work within that realm, is yeah. you know, we're really seeing like the gray matter is really not that much different than skeletal muscle. You know, if we want big biceps, we specifically uh, specific adaptation post man, we put those fibers under time under tension, and uh, that creates a demand for ad- adaptation and um, developing further resilience. And so same thing with those neurons, we shape our neural networks, we shape that neuroplasticity and it all begins with our belief system, you know, and the agreements that we form with ourselves and others. So that's where, like, have you read the four agreements? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I love that book. Yeah. Everybody needs to read that book, you know, impeccable with your language. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah, that was, yeah, be impeccable (laughs) with your word. If you want to receive love, give love. If you want to receive respect, uh, you know, give respect. It it is that universal law. Um, And yeah, the science, science shows it. So it all starts that belief system to then program, program our body, program our physiology. Yeah, exactly. And and, and it's the awareness, first and foremost, Mm, it's the awareness to know what's going on. If you have a negative thought, I kind of look at negative thoughts as I learned this from Wayne Dyer as like clouds that are passing through my 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 brain uh, a negative cloud just a whole bunch of lightning and rain that's saying oh you're not good enough to speak on stage at paleo fx you're not good enough to do this and I'll observe it and I'll say next <laughs> yeah and I'll and I'll see oh that's a better cloud you're better to, to, you can do that you've studied you've done you've done the work you've helped so many people and I've, and that's our greatest power, the power to choose our thoughts. So it could help us or it could absolutely destroy us. And for the first 24 years of my life, it destroyed me. It resulted in a very unhappy, depressed, suicidal life. And if I could go from that, from being on the internet to looking for ways to kill myself, every single week I did that, to loving every single minute of my life, having the awareness to know that those thoughts have nothing to do with me, the negative mm-hmm. thoughts have nothing to do with me or my potential, and have every, everything to do with my paradigm, my conditioning, well, then you're in the driver's seat. There's nothing that could affect you. You are unmessable with, and I absolutely feel that way, and it's a work in progress, but I feel that way, and I'm able to master my thoughts because I've put in the work, Brendan has put in the work, but we don't stop putting in the work. We're not, right. we're not just resting out on our laurels because you know this, nothing in the universe stays the same. This cup right here, it's moving at an accelerated rate. So you're either creating or you're disintegrating. Mm -hmm. So nothing stays the same. Somebody who says, I wish everything just stays the same is expressing their ignorance of how the universe works because Mm -hmm. you're either growing or you're not. You're just, you don't stay the same. So um, Mm -hmm. it's important, like you said, to create a better story, create a story Mm -hmm. that's going to serve your future and make you a victor not a victim. Exactly. It's one of those, um, you know, where we are not our thoughts or emotions. We are the awareness behind them. And, uh, you know, we can shape our own destiny. We can control, well, influence our epigenetic expression. Uh, and it is that narrative, that, that belief system that you have the choice to make. Um, so I think it's uh, immensely powerful in, and, and like you said, it's a continuous practice, you know, and that's where honestly, just in, I've been going through kind of a little bit of a challenging time lately. And, uh, I had some, a powerful experience, uh, recently where it was just like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize how disconnected from, uh, my unconditional love practice I was. And like you said, it is a practice, you know, it's, you don't get in shape 
work your ass off, get in shape, and then stop working out and expect to stay in shape. Right. You know, it is that it, it, things are always c- catabolizing or anabolizing. You know, we're growing, we're breaking down constantly. So it's the same thing with those neural networks. And unfortunately, in today's society, it's very easy to fall into those traps and very easy to get mm. kind of that ego seduction uh, of consumerism and toxic energy. So, but it's the power of the individual. We have that that conscious choice, but we have to develop that awareness first. So something that I need to be better about, and that's, I'm not a hypocrite. I got to be better about it too. I like to start my day looking in the mirror and say, how will you practice unconditional love today? And when, you know, you're posing it as a question, you're kind of creating the subliminal, you're going to be working on that. Like I'm going to practice unconditional love today. Are you? And that's a very certain statement. How, how are you going to do that? And then you start working on it. Like, how am I going to practice unconditional love today? I love that. Yeah, it's a great question to ask. I want to start doing that now. It's like a bio. Right. It's and can we start neurohacking? Is that a yes. thing now? Let's make that a thing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, you're you're making it a thing. And and you're right when you said the the odds are stacked against us with mainstream media, with the school system. Let's face it; it's yeah. just negative information. If you're watching the news, if you're watching CNN, which stands for constantly negative news you're gonna think that the world is just so dangerous and everybody's out to get you when in reality i would say the world is 90 percent, 98 percent good everybody wants to do good it's just that those two percent or five percent of bad people whatever it is they're so loud and so out there that it's scaring people to think that most people are bad but most people are not bad the world is not a dangerous place as a whole it's a beautiful place humans are beautiful people community as you said is so important uh if you look at going back to community if you look at the blue zones right people say oh blue zones what do they all have in common they have community they have they they are showing unconditional love and there's something to be said for that Mm -hmm. so we talked a lot about about keto and fasting and all that, but you got to have the thoughts that are going to serve you. You got to have the people that you are unconditionally loving and unconditionally love you back. That's why I love my dog so much sleeping right here because they show they're a perfect example of unconditional love, right? They are just, no matter what, I come home, I could have a stressed day, my dog's going to love me. So I love how you, you talked about that, man. It's so important. Absolutely. And just a fun joke, you know, it's like if you were to, lock your dog and your girlfriend in the garage all day while you go to work and then come back who's going to be happier to see you when you get home (laughs) (laughs) that's good good. definitely (laughs) dogs know how to love unconditionally humans need to learn a thing or two from dogs i suppose yeah absolutely i agree about that well hey i know you got to get going um as do i but brother ben first off amazing conversation you are a wealth of knowledge i i'm I mean, I, I see all of your stuff, but being able to really just discuss in depth today, I'm blown away by your work. I think it's absolutely re- remarkable. And I think together we can make a dent in disease, you know? I, I know we are. We are. And let's continue doing it, man. I, I love your work. Um, for those of you listening to the podcast now, go listen to the episode I, I interviewed Brendan on mm-hmm. my podcast, the Hero Camp podcast. Maybe you can put it in the show notes. Yeah. You did a fantastic job on there, and I was so blessed to have you, man, because you've mentored me over the years. When I went through FDN, you were my co- my course mentor, and you really showed me a lot, man. I, I admire you and what you're doing 
and you have a great community. You're out there, you're educating medical doctors, dude. You're educating these professionals with information that actually gets to the cause. So I love you, dude. I admire what you're doing and I look forward to doing more collaborations with you. Absolutely. We got that mirror thing going on and that's where, you know, the light in me acknowledges, recognizes and honors and loves the light in you, you know? So we're going to keep going and yes, I'd love to um, include the link of your podcast that I was on and also uh, your your keto camp and the 28 day jumpstart because, you know, I get so many, so many questions about keto all the time and it's like, here you go. And I'm like, this guy's got this down to beautiful science. So uh, we'll be sure to include those. And again, thank you so much for your time. This was an amazing convo. And I know we'll both be at Paleo FX. Uh, maybe we'll hang out sooner, but we'll definitely be sure to hang out at Paleo. Yeah, come join us at Paleo, Paleo FX if you're listening to this. And uh, yeah, I had a great time today, man. What an important conversation. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, man. And enjoy the rest of your day. I'm sure we'll talk soon, my friend. We will, brother. Thank you. All right. <laughs> See ya.